Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. I invite you to stand if you'd like to and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for um, this church and uh, these people that we can gather with today. I pray that you'd bless us. God, uh, draw us close to you and uh, accept our worship this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. 
Hey, it's really good to be with you folks uh, again this week. I guess I was with you about a month ago. Um, I'm Charles. Uh, I, I, I guess I've been a pastor for 30 plus years. Re- recently pastored First Baptist Shawnee, and they've they've merged with another church uh, recently through the after the pandemic ended. And um, I'm uh, most Sundays I'm doing this at some churches. I'm also uh, I'm also one of the chaplains at St. Anthony's in uh, Shawnee. My wife Connie. Uh, we were celebrating our 40th a couple of weeks ago, and I were, thank the Lord for that. We we're celebrating her remission from cancer too, and so we got to get away and do that. And you know, God is good, and we praise Him. She's uh, she works with nonverbal autistic children one-on-one at at Grove School, and she's always most most of the of our years of marriage, she's worked with special needs people, and's got a real wonderful gift for doing that. I went to college in Missouri at a at a, at a school much much like OBU, and we had a, a ministry that uh, different Baptist associations would really open up all the churches periodically and let a bunch of college students learn to preach. And so, uh, you know, we'd saturate an association with you know with several cars full of uh, of preaching students. And uh, that Sunday, you know, we were out in a very rural area, and uh, there were four of us in the car, and we were all kind of thinking about praying about our sermons as as we. As we went, and one of the guys in the back seat with me, he was using that old, you know, he had typed up his sermon, you know, on a typewriter, and he was using that old-style liquid paper, you know, it's like painting paper on, and he was editing his sermon like that, and he had seven pages, and he didn't, and then he was writing in ballpoint pen above the corrections, and he didn't realize that as he was putting the pieces of paper together that that liquid paper hadn't dried yet and so the pieces of paper were sticking together and so on on the way back uh after preaching uh, we were all talking about our messages how long did you preach one guy was was 20 minutes another guy was 45 minutes uh, i said i was about 30 minutes and then the guy with the liquid paper says i preached 6 minutes <laughs> and we all said, hey, what happened? He said, I was so nervous. He said, five of my sheets stuck together. I went from page one to page seven. Didn't even realize it till I sat down after the invitation. <laughs> so I, I promise not to speak an hour, but I also won't preach for six minutes. <laughs> but uh, Well, I I tend to be an expository preacher. I really love to preach God's Word kind of verse by verse or section by section. That's kind of how God has kind of hardwired me, and that's how I was taught to preach in college and seminary. just love the Word of God. I love preaching out of the Old and New Testament, but especially the the New Testament. So this morning we're going to be in Matthew 5, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles there. I I usually use the NIV. Sometimes I use the, uh, the ESV. Those are my two favorite Bible translations at this time, and and so we'll be in Matthew 5. And before we uh, we stand to read the Word of God, would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we pray two simple requests, God, as we know your Word is living and active. Lord, speak the Scriptures uh, to, to our hearts today through the reading of Scripture, through the preaching of Scripture. Lord, make these words of Jesus alive and applicable to our lives. Lord, change our lives through the reading and preaching of God's Word. And I pray, God, also that you'd speak through me as your messenger this morning. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people agreed. Amen. Hey, would you like to stand in honor of our Lord Jesus as we as we read his holy word? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 3 through 12. These are the words of our Lord. Uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. God has created all of us with with this deep inner need to be happy, uh, to experience joy, to experience 
peace in our lives. That's just how God has hardwired us, and you know, that's part of being created in God's image. You know, God is full of joy and full of peace, and He's created us in the same way to, to pursue joy and peace and happiness. And we spend so much of our lives, you know, chasing down things that we think will make us happy. You know, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a maybe it's a job, maybe it's a certain gadget that we think we need to have to be happy, or the, the latest upgrade on our iPhone. Uh, maybe it's something like popularity or or success or or beauty we we chase after those things and so many times once we we've chased down and grabbed a hold of the the thing that we think will make us happy we find uh, we're not happy at all with the thing we've just grasped a hold of or we find we're we're happy for a few days or a few weeks and then we're 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 back to chasing down the next thing that we think will make us happy and as we we look at this passage today, uh, the, these 10 verses in Matthew chapter 5, we see that Jesus is offering us, as followers of Christ, he's offering us a, a, a God-given happiness, more than what we would call human happiness, because you know, human happiness depends on our circumstances. You know, if we, if we had a bad night's sleep, <laughs> we're probably not that happy uh, that, that morning. If we're, you know, we ate a bad pizza and got sick, we're, we're not that happy the next day. And so, you know, happiness is so much based on our circumstances, but when Jesus t- talks about a happiness here, he's talking about being blessed by God, being experiencing a, a real joy deep in our spirits and an inner peace that only God can give us. And these 10 verses we look at this morning are, are one of Jesus' most famous teachings. They're, they're called the Beatitudes. And, and the Beatitudes is, so, you know, one of those words we seem like we, we only use at church, whether that's in vacation Bible school or Sunday school or, or in a worship service. But, you know, Beatitudes, it's a good word. Uh, the, the word Beatus actually comes from the Latin. It means to be, you know, deeply happy, uh, very joyous, uh, greatly blessed by God. And, and it's called the Beatitudes because this word blessed appears nine times in this passage. And so if we, we want to know how we can live under God's blessings to experience real joy and, and real peace, then we internalize the Beatitudes. We, we seek to, to live the Beatitudes. We ask Jesus to transform our lives so we have a Beatitude kind of life. And, and being blessed by God in this way, is, is, it's more than the emotion of feeling happy, you know, it, it's a deep joy, a deep peace in our hearts that we can have in every situation we face. So even if we're in incredible stress, even if we're, we're experiencing you know, terrible suffering, even if we've had a, an incredible loss, we can experience uh, these kinds of blessings and inner peace and joy from the Lord. And so if you would, would you look with me this morning? We're, we're going to look at all nine Beatitudes, a, a verse at a time in the the first beatitude appears in verse 3, and, and Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. It, when Jesus talks about being poor in spirit, he's, he's not talking about being financially poor per se. We, you could be affluent, but be poor in spirit, or you could be destitute, but, but not be poor in spirit. When Jesus talks about being poor in spirit, he, he's talking about being spiritually poor. He's talking about we, we need to realize that we're, we're spiritually empty. We're, we're spiritually bankrupt unless Jesus lives within our hearts. If we, don't, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, if Jesus isn't the Lord of our lives, then, then our lives lack real meaning. In the poor in spirit, we, we realize that you know, we're utterly dependent on God. We need God's presence. We need His blessings. We need His guidance. Uh, you know, we need His forgiveness. Uh, we need Him to work in our lives, and we need Him to change our lives, and and we're willing to to reach out in prayer to the Lord and say, God, I I need Your love, I I need Your presence in my life, I need Your direction today, I need to experience Your grace, I I need Your blessings in what I'm doing, Lord. And Jesus says there there's a blessing when we realize we're poor in spirit before Christ. Jesus says there's there's a blessing. He says Yours is the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is another way of referring to the kingdom of God. And as Christians, we're, we're a part of God's kingdom right here, right now, today. And we, we experience God's kingdom. When we experience real Christian fellowship in the family of believers we know as the church, we're, we're experiencing God's kingdom. When we experience God's 
you know, presence in worship, the real joy of being in the presence of God in worship. You know, we experience God's kingdom. When we, when we know God's Holy Spirit lives in our heart and we're walking in the Spirit, we're experiencing God's kingdom. When we're, when we're seeing people come to faith in Christ and getting baptized, we, we experience God's kingdom. When we, when we see kids' lives being changed in vacation Bible school like you all did recently, we're, we're experiencing God's kingdom. And, and we get, we get these, these, these wonderful tastes of God's kingdom right here, right now, today. But when we, when we go to be with God on the other side of eternity, we, we experience all the fullness of God's blessings in God's kingdom. Our next beatitude comes in verse 4. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. And if we think of you know, mourning or grief, that has to be the most, most painful human emotion. You know, we, we lose a loved one. Uh, we lose a, you know, a, a parent or lose a spouse or heaven forbid, lose, lose a child. We, we experience that deep mourning, that deep grief that, that can really drive us into despair. It's that, that the hardest of human emotions. And here Jesus is talking about mourning spiritually. And so he's, Jesus is telling us that, you know, we can mourn when we, when we see you know, believers in Christ who just are apathetic to spiritual things. We, we mourn if we see our wonderful nation growing distant from God. We, we mourn when we don't see family and friends come to faith in Christ. We, we mourn if we see Christians divided. And I, and I, th- I think above all, Jesus is you know, aiming this verse you know, towards each of us that w- we mourn if we have sin in our lives, we, we mourn if we're hanging on to sin rather than hanging on to Jesus. We, we mourn if we've allowed any distance to grow between us and God. And so we, we mourn and we confess our sins to God and we, we seek God's forgiveness. And when we, when we have problems in our life, in, in America so often we, we turn to self-help. But, but ultimately, self-help doesn't work spiritually because the problem is with ourselves. You know, we sin, we make mistakes, we, we mess up our lives, and we can't fix it on our own. You know, Oprah and Dr. Phil can't help us fix those things. We, you know, we need the Lord Jesus to, to forgive our sins and really change our lives. And here's the blessing if we learn to, to mourn over spiritual matters, if we learn to mourn over sin and ask Jesus to forgive us and, and to heal and to intervene. Uh, Jesus says we'll be comforted. God turns our sorrow into joy because we live in a right relationship with Him. You know, God comforts us because He can give us an inner peace. And comfort comes in knowing that God's in control when really life seems to be out of control. Joy comes in knowing that God forgives our sins. And, and peace comes from God when we know that He answers our prayers. Would you look with me in, in verse 5 at the next beatitude? You know, another great one. You know, blessed are the meek. I don't think we use that word meek in our American culture anymore. When's the last time you you heard of someone being called meek? And to be meek in in the, in the eyes of Jesus, you know, means we're humble. You know, it means we we have a gentleness in our spirit. You know, we're not aggressive. We don't insist on our own way. We we don't like to argue. We don't like to fight. But meek, meek doesn't mean that we're, we're weak. You know, when I was a kid, I, I loved watching the old black and white Andy Griffith shows. Anyone enjoy them? You know, I, my wife, when she did yeah, caregiving for several years with, on, with hospice patients, uh, you know, she watched the Andy Griffith shows with her. I bought her the, you know, the, you know, the, all the episodes on DVD. It's such a great show. And I think most everyone's favorite character is, you know, Barney Fife. And you, you know Barney. You know, Barney was such a, a weak, wimpy kind of ca- character that the sheriff would only allow him to have one bullet. And he couldn't even load it in his gun for fear that he might shoot himself in the foot or shoot somebody else. Uh, but Barney was always funny. But he was, you know, he was a weak, wimpy kind of character. But when, when Jesus talks about being meek, he's not talking about somebody like Barney Fife. Um, meekness comes from a word used in Jesus's day that was used of breaking wild horses. And wild horses have tremendous strength. It takes a, a skilled cowboy to, to break a wild horse. And so when, when Jesus talks about meekness here, he's talking about the, the strengths we have, the, the character we have, the, the spiritual gifts, the talents, the abilities. 
Uh, all that make us who we are in all of our strengths as a person. And, and if we're meek, we, we allow God to control our strengths. You know, spiritually meek people may have, you know, great gifting, you know, be, have great strengths and great abilities, but we allow God to control our lives, to control the direction of our lives, to control our strengths and abilities. And, you know, meek people realize that we don't need to be in control of our lives. Meek people aren't control freaks. And when we're meek, we realize that that God needs to be in control of our lives. When I pastored in Dallas, right across the street from our church, we had a Taekwondo dojo. And I was always a sports kid growing up. Our son wasn't. For Really for like the first time, he says, Dad, you know, I, re- I want to do sports with you. Could we, could we join the Taekwondo school across the street from our church? And, and so we did that. And I, I went on. I got black belts in Hapkido and Taekwondo. Really loved martial arts. And, and I found my, my teacher, Mike, was just, just this brute of a guy. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 5'8", about 160 pounds. You know, Mike was 6'4", over 200 pounds. Just a huge guy. I've been doing martial arts for 20 years. And I found when I started learning all those those cool kicks you see in the movies where you're spinning around and kicking someone at head height. I found when I started doing that with Mike, he just tore me apart. And he never tried to, he never had to hit me. He would just put up an elbow and the, and my shin would, would slam into his elbow and then I'd have a bruise this big on my shin. Or, or he'd put up a knee when I threw up a kick and the top of my foot would hit, would hit his knee and then the top of my foot's bruised for a week. And I found that, that Mike was so gifted, so skilled that you know, he could hurt me in a hurry without ever even striking me. And then I, that I'd see this, this, this same teacher um, ending the kids' class before the adult class I, I took started, and he'd be sitting in a circle at the end of class every time with kids that were 8, 9, 10 years old, and he would tell them, you know, you know Taekwondo martial arts is never about hurting anyone. It, it's about protecting yourself and your loved ones if you have to, but more importantly, it's about discipline and respect and, and care for people. And when I, when I looked at Mike, I said, yeah, that, that's what it means to be meek. <laughs> you know, having all this strength and ability, but then channeling it uh, for good purposes. And, and we can do that spiritually. If we, we look into the Bible, we see Moses is called the meekest man who ever lived in the Old Testament. But we know that Moses had great strength. You know, he he got so angry one day, you know, Moses, Moses was a rageaholic who could fly, you know, fly into a rage and got so angry one day that he, he killed an armed Egyptian soldier with his bare hands, then buried him in the desert sand. And, it, and it, it took God 40 years to get a hold of Moses because he had so much rage and anger and pride. But when God got a hold of Moses, he channeled his strength. He made him a meek man, so Moses was able to lead his entire nation, two and a half million Jewish people, out of slavery in Egypt into the Promised Land. That's that's meekness, strength controlled by God. And then, then in the New Testament, you know, Jesus is called meek. You know, he's called gentle and lowly, and and we know that Jesus isn't weak, but he's meek. He's Jesus is the Son of God. He created the universe by his spoken word. And when they were trying to arrest Jesus on the night before his death, you know, the disciples wanted to defend him, and he said, I can call down 12 legions of angels, 60,000 angels to protect me. But then Jesus submits his strength to God and dies on the cross for our sins. And, and that's what it means to, to be meek as a follower of Jesus. We, we allow God to control our lives, our strengths. And, and here's the blessing for those who are meek. Jesus says, uh, you'll inherit the earth. When Jesus returns at the end of time, he'll create a new heavens and a, and a new earth and will rule the new earth and the new heavens with Jesus. Is anybody hungry yet? <laughs> it's not close to 12 yet. I, I like to eat at about 11.30 lots of times. I get hungry early. And, and, and verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, what do you hunger and thirst for? You know, my, my, our favorite place to eat is uh, Texas Roadhouse. We, you know, our, our date day is usually at Texas Roadhouse on, on Friday evening. Uh, baby back ribs, uh, a filet mignon, nothing gets much better than that. You know, I, I grew up about a half hour from the ocean. I grew up eating seafood. I mean, seafood's wonderful. Uh, but but I, I still love a, a 
a thin crust pepperoni pizza with extra cheese. There's nothing much better than that. And, I, and I'm a chocoholic. You know, get, get me that chocolate bluebell ice cream, and I, I'm loving it. Uh, Hershey's chocolate, I'm in heaven. M&M's, they're vitamins for the soul, I say. <laughs> and what are you thirst for? Um, you know, uh, an ice cold Coke in a bottle that's been in a, a cooler full of ice for hours. You know, pop the top off and enjoy that Coke. It's, it's great. Uh, you know, spring water on a hot summer day or iced tea on a hot summer day. It's, it's hard to beat that. But, but Jesus isn't talking about any, any of these things. He says, you know, the, the things we can hunger for are, you know, popularity. We might hunger for more money or a, a better job. We, you know, we might, we might hunger for what the next door neighbor has that we don't have. You know, we, but Jesus isn't talking about any of these things. Jesus is saying we need to hunger and thirst for God. You know, like we're starving, like we're, like we're starving of thirst or starving of food, we need to hunger and thirst for God. And, and Jesus says here we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and righteousness is being in a right relationship with God. You know, hunger and thirst to, to be in a right relationship with Jesus above all things. And in the next chapter, he says, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And that's what he's talking about. We should long to know God deeply. We should long to spend time with God and to be with God and grow to be more like Jesus. And here's the, here's the blessing. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus says we'll be filled. You know, we can be filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to fill us up. And when we hunger for God, when we thirst for God, God wants to give more and more of Himself to us. I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but my mom, my mother used to love to give us coffee mugs for Christmas. I'm, I'm more of a tea drinker. And I, she, she gave us these mugs called love mugs. And they've got little words love all over the mugs. And it was a really extra big mug. And I decided I'm going to eat my bluebell ice cream out of my mug because it's got a handle on it. And I'd find I, I, would, I would pack it as full as I, I could get it you know, so it's kind of rounded over almost like an, you know, an ice cream cone. And I'd put it back in the freezer, you know, so it'd get hard as a rock. I like my ice cream hard as a rock. And, you know, it's, it's so filled to the brim that if it starts to melt and I don't get at it quick enough, it, it's, it's melting down the side of the coffee cup. And I really believe that's what the Lord's telling us about being filled, <laughs> being filled with righteousness, being filled with the presence of God. You know, we're filled to the brim with Jesus. And God wants to fill us that way. Beatitude number five is verse seven. Blessed are the merciful. Uh, oh, how we need merciful people today. You know, and we seem to live in a culture that anytime anyone sticks their foot in their mouth, you know, especially if you're a, an important person, that's what makes the news that night. There's a craziness about that. You know, it seems like people are always looking for an opportunity to be offended. How, oh, how we need merciful people. You know, merciful people are, are full of grace. Uh, they're, they're kind, compassionate, generous, forgiving. And so was, how do we show mercy like Jesus did? You know, look at his teachings. Look at his life. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. Love people who hate you. <laughs> love people who you want to hate. That's hard to do, but you can do it with the help of Jesus. That's what it means to be merciful. Forgive people who deeply hurt you. Forgive people who seem like they've torn your heart out, even torn your heart out spiritually. Forgive them. You may say, well, they haven't asked me for forgiveness. They don't, they don't really deserve my forgiveness. They don't even want my forgiveness. That doesn't matter. Jesus says, forgive them anyhow. And Jesus says, be, be generous with people who really need it. You know, Christians need to be the most generous people in the world. Yeah. Be kind to people that everybody else overlooks. You know, Jesus did it with the, the woman with the, with the blood disease. He did it with Zacchaeus, the short guy that nobody else seemed to see. And then, you know, be slow to criticize. Be quick to overlook an offense. There, there was a junior high camp. And on, the, on Friday night, before everyone went home the next day, they had a talent show. And you know how camp and church talent shows go. Even that most talentless can be a part of those talent shows. And Jonathan, 
Uh, he was a mentally, physically challenged you know, junior high boy, and he got up on stage and tried to sing the Michael W. Smith song, Friends Are Friends Forever, karaoke style with a boombox. But unfortunately, it was, it, you know, he couldn't carry a tune, this Brian couldn't. He, he was all over the place vocally, and you know, the other junior high kids were laughing at him. But there was an, an eighth grader, Jessica, way in the back of the auditorium, and she ran down the center aisle and got up on stage with, with, with Jonathan and put her arm around him. And she began to sing with him, friends are friends forever because the Lord is the Lord of them. And Jessica could really, really sing. God had given her a wonderful voice. And, and the grace of God seemed to, to fall upon the, all of those junior high kids that night as Jessica and, and Jonathan sang together because she gave him grace. She gave him mercy. And those same kids who were laughing, their eyes started to fill up with tears and they were crying because the grace of God fell upon that place. And, and people aren't used to in our culture. They're not used to receiving mercy. They're not used to receiving grace. That's, that's something that Christians do best because Jesus does that best. And when we, when we can give people grace and mercy, they, they experience God's presence. And here's the blessing when we're, when we're merciful. Jesus says we'll be shown mercy. What goes around comes around. You know, if we're harsh, negative, and critical with people, people are going to be harsh, negative, and critical with us when we mess up. But if we're kind and gracious and forgiving, people are going to tend to be kind, gracious, and forgiving with us. Yeah. Blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, the pure in heart are holy. And, and holy means that you know, we set apart our lives to Jesus. We're, you know, we're, Jesus is our Lord. And on the other side, we, we set apart our lives from sin. We, we run as far from sin as we can go as we run into the arms of Jesus. And so we desire to please God more than anything else. We, we desire to be with God more than anything else. And, and years ago, I, I was, my parents and Connie and I lived in different states, hundreds of miles away. And we were talking about our families one day. And my mom said, you know, God has really given you a, a holy woman as a wife. And my mother had lived with us for a while. And she, she, she saw Connie, you know, spending hours just in Scripture and in prayer day after day. And saw how that was impacting Connie's life and, and the lives that she, that she would share Jesus with. And she said, you know, I see a holiness there. I see a, a purity in heart. And, and I find, like many pastor's wives, uh, you know, she, she's, she's experienced all the ups and downs of, uh, of church life, which you all have too if you've been in church a long time. And she'd, she'd have a way of, when I've been discouraged or I've been really down, and I'm a high energy person, I, I don't tend to be down and discouraged much, but she'd remind me, Look at where God's working. Look at the, the person that just got saved. Look at the person that just got baptized. Look at how God is working in their lives. Just reminding me God's in control when, when life feels out of control, or even when our church feels out of control, God's in control. He loves us. He's with us. And so to be pure in heart means we've, we're, we're holy, faithful, we're righteous, we're broken over our sins. And I had this new Christian in a college Bible class I was teaching, and he, he said, our, my, my New Year's resolution is, Lord, bend me, Lord, break me. That's a brave prayer. Yeah, Lord, bend me to your will, break me of my sinful habits. That takes a, a person who's pure in heart to pray that kind of prayer. Yeah, there, there are two kinds of Christians, thermostats and thermometers. Have you heard that? Yeah, I, you know, a, a th Thermometer adjusts to the climate of the room. If it's hot, it goes up. If it's cold, it goes down. Where uh, a thermostat sets the climate of the room. So if you're a thermometer kind of Christian and you go in and see a bunch of people gossiping, you'll join into the gossip or or or, or at least listen to it. But if you're a thermostat type of Christian, you'll you'll shut it down by your presence or by your words. Or if you're if you're if you're a, you're you're a guy and you're a you're a thermometer kind of Christian. You might be in a locker room or might be a group of guys that are telling off-color joke, off jokes and you might join in or tell one yourself. But if you're a thermostat kind of man of God, you'll shut down those jokes just because of who you are or the words you say. And so 
You know, we have that choice to either set the climate of the room as a follower of Christ or blend in with the climate of the room. And it's so easy to blend in, but if we set the climate of the room, we shine for Jesus. And Jesus says there's the blessing for the pure in heart. Jesus says we will see God. You know, if we're pure in heart, we we know the voice of God. We know the presence of God on this side of eternity. We we see Jesus with eyes of faith. On the other side of eternity, we'll, we'll see the Lord Jesus face to face. Beatitude number seven comes down in verse nine. Blessed are the peacemakers. Right. You know, peacemakers are not just people who avoid an argument. Peacemakers do the hard work of making peace, of bringing peace between people. And unexpectedly this past week, I spent several days as a peacemaker between different Christian brothers and sisters who were very out of sorts with one another in a church. And I didn't expect to be doing that much of my week. I just, it happened and I, God put me there in the middle of it and I was the peacemaker for the week. And I think I'm going to be the peacemaker for, for this week. God just put me in, in that circumstance. And, and I found, you know, peacemaking can be hard work because you have to step into a, an awkward situation and sometimes confront things that are wrong and ask people to forgive and ask people to confess and get things right and move forward with God's help. And we can be peacemakers with our families. If our families are in conflict, we can be peacemakers and you know, healing conflict. We can be peacemakers with our friends. I remember I had a neighbor, and he knew another neighbor was having an affair, and he came over to pray with me, and he says, how can I intervene and help save this marriage? He wanted to be peacemakers with his next-door neighbor. That's something that God really honors. You know, whether at school or on the ball field or at work, you know, God calls us to be peacemakers. And I think above all, you know, we're... The church is God's family. We need to be peacemakers in the church to bring harmony and reconciliation and, and unity. And where people are out of sorts, a peacemaker brings people together. Where people are angry and upset, a peacemaker helps people forgive and seek God new again. Where there's broken relationships, peacemakers have a way of helping people come back together. And there's a blessing for peacemakers. Jesus says you're going to be called sons and daughters of God. And we know ultimately all Christians are children of God, but peacemakers take on this really special reputation. They're known as God's children, as his sons and daughters. Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, verse 10 tells us. Have you ever been persecuted for, for living for Jesus, for standing for Jesus? That may happen to us one day in America. I think I think our country, as they've, they've gotten further away from the Bible and the church, you know, sometimes are, there's some you know, anti-Christian element to our culture at times in our country. And if we, we stand for Jesus, if we proclaim Jesus as Lord, if we, if we share Jesus, there are going to be some people who are not going to like it and will speak up and try to shut us down. And we're blessed if we're persecuted. You know, we're rarely persecuted physically in America. You know, there's, there's some 90,000 Christians that are put to death each year in our world because of their faith in Christ. You know, some Muslim, Hindu, or communist countries, it's, it's outright dangerous to live as a Christian. But still, there are Christians there in underground churches helping people come to Christ and be discipled in Christ. How, how would... How would we live in that kind of situation? You know, each year thousands of Christians around the world are they're beaten, they're put in prison, they lose their jobs, they're ripped away from their families, they lose their homes, they're, they're financially ruined all because of their faith in Christ. When I pastored in the Dallas area, I, I met a Jewish man named Peter. He was a, an associate pastor at, a, at a, a church of Messianic Jews, Jews that had come to faith in Christ. And I went out to lunch with him one day and he says, you know, I've known Jesus for 50 years, my family and friends who know that I know Jesus for 15 years, he said, I don't go a week ever without getting hate mail in my mailbox and hate mail in my email box telling me how much they hate me because I made Jesus the Lord of my life. You know, most of us don't know that kind of 
persecution. And here's a question to think about. If, if on your way home from church today you were arrested for being a Christian, you know, would, would there be enough evidence to, to convict you? And Jesus says, there's, there's a blessing if we're persecuted. Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. That takes us way back to the first beatitude. We, we, we're part of God's kingdom. We're the king's kids. Uh, the, the kingdom of God is ours. And that's part of the blessing of being persecuted. In our, our final couple of verses, Beatitude number 9 builds on that previous Beatitude. He says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. In verses 11 and 12, they, they expand on verse 10. And Jesus says, if, if you live as me as the Lord of your life, if you proclaim me as Lord, he said, there are going to be people in your culture who hate you, who insult you, who, who lie about you. Don't go looking for persecution, but don't be surprised by it either. And Jesus says, if, if you're persecuted, rather than getting depressed and discouraged, he says just the opposite. Rejoice, be glad, because you've got a great reward in heaven. And he says, think about the prophets before you. You know, think about the Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah preached hard messages to his own people. His own congregation got so tired of his preaching that they, they took up rocks and threw, it, threw them at him until he was dead one day. I'd hate to preach to that congregation. <laughs> Jeremiah preached to him and ended up losing his life for it. You know, Isaiah was a bold preacher, and, and Isaiah was really, he, his ministry was in the, the capital city, in the, in the king's palace, and he, he preached so hard to one of the evil kings, Manasseh, that Manasseh had him tied between two planks of wood and then sawed the planks of wood in half with him in between them, took his life that way. And think about the other, the other great men and women of God. Think, think about John the Baptist lost his head. Jesus said he was the greatest prophet who ever lived. The Apostle Paul, you know, the great theologian and Bible writer in the New Testament, lost his head. Our, our Lord was crucified. Jesus is the most wonderful name in the world. I, I love the old Gaither song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name, Jesus. And Jesus is the, the most wonderful name in the world, but somehow in our culture, Jesus is used as a curse word. Somehow in our culture that if we mention Jesus is Lord or sometimes in certain public settings, pray in the name of Jesus, you know, people just come unglued. There's something about that name. There's, there's power, life-changing power in that name. And because we know Jesus and live for Jesus, he says, be willing to endure persecution for Jesus. So do you want to be truly happy? Do you want to experience real joy, real peace that defies human understanding? Then live the Beatitudes. Realize your dependence on God. Grieve over your sin. Uh, develop a meek, gentle spirit. Long to be with God, to be right with God. You know, be a person of grace. Be a person of mercy. You know, seek purity in your heart. Be a peacemaker in difficult situations. And then be willing to endure persecution if it ever comes our way. As we get ready to have our song of response or invitation, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you're here, that you love us. Lord, that you're good to us. And Jesus, we thank you that you've died for us. You've died for, for this church. Thank you for the wonderful people who've come here to worship you today, God. And I know you work in our hearts through worship and preaching and Christian fellowship and through our Bible study classes, God. I pray you continue to work in our hearts during this time of invitation. And if anyone needs to make a decision for you, whether it's quietly in their in their seats or standing or come down to the altar, God. I just pray you'd give them the, the fortitude to come and, and make the decision they need to make for Christ today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Just sing another song So take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you And I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. And I just want to sit here at your feet caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than I just want you I just want you and nothing else and nothing else nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else Nothing else, nothing else to do. I just want nothing else, nothing else, nothing else to do. I just want nothing else, nothing else. Nothing else Nothing else, nothing else to do. 
I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you 